Hey everyone, this is Chris Kopp from Blackhawk Church and the Next Steps podcast. Uh, welcome back. We are continuing this week with part two of our conversation about deconstruction and doubt. Um, so last week, Michael, Tiffany, and I talked about what deconstruction is and what some of the things are that lead to it. And also this idea that these stages or these seasons of faith where we go through moments of doubt and disorientation, they're really normal. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go back and do that. And today we're going to jump right in in just a moment when we're going to talk about our own stories of, of what it's looked like for us to go through these seasons of deconstruction and doubt, or uh, maybe as we continue to go through those seasons. So uh, yeah, we hope that you'll be encouraged by this, especially if you're in the midst of a season like this right now. There's some really good, really powerful stuff here. I think you'll be encouraged. Um, so with that, we're just going to jump right back in to the second half of this conversation as we begin to tell some of our stories. So here we go. Well, you guys, um, I want to spend a little bit of time just pressing a little bit into our own stories. Uh, you guys have shared a little bit of, of some things and Michael, even at age eight, is that what you said? Yeah, you know, some of starting early. <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. Um, but if you guys are willing, let's let's talk ab- about that a little bit more. What what has this looked like for you guys? You've hinted yeah. at um, at some of this and what deconstruction has looked like, or some of what caused that. Mm-hmm. Um, can we hear a little bit more of of your stories about about how this has gone for you guys? Yeah, I would be happy to share. Um, and I'm actually really glad. I think this is kind of one of the first times I've shared the story. Mm. And, yeah. um, you know, because sharing your stories can be vulnerable and um, it's often something, there's some shame that sometimes inappropriately comes along with yeah. this. Um, so I, I think it's good to be sharing. Um, I remember for me, um, the day that kind of this process begun, and I maybe, um, mine relates to Pete ends is, you know, kind of, you didn't see him coming. So, um, I, it was a day like any other, I had, um, just gotten home from work, uh, you know, got, had little babies at the time for small kiddos under the age of five and just life's busy and that's hot, you know, bath bed. And then I just did my nightly like scroll through, um, this is back probably like 2000 and I don't know, 12 or 11 or something. And so scrolling through Facebook and I just, like stop scrolling. And I was like, Jake, it's my husband. Get over here. You have to see this. And so there was this Facebook post of a, um, of a, of a woman who, um, she was part of the campus ministry that I helped lead years ago. So I listen. I didn't even actually know her that well, mm. but she has listened. You guys like my husband, he, he's pa- un- unexpectedly passed away. They had two small kids and she's like, actually the kicker is I was just going to tell him tomorrow that I'm pregnant again. And I just like lost my mind. And I was just like weeping over, I didn't, I, death, I get death, death happens. I wasn't uncomfortable with that. I just, something in me snapped and I was just like one weeping for her, like how devastating they, where they were raising support to do missions, um, Northern Africa and just for just selling it all. Like they were a couple that were just living with abandon for God. And I just thought, really God, like this is flourishing for them. This is the best plan that you can come up with. And I think it just kind of um, started this avalanche of questions, um, you know, like 
was this really the best time for this guy to die? Did, did God cause this to happen? Did he just allow it to happen? Um, could God have stopped us if he wanted to? And then it's like, what is like the problem of evil? Um, and then, but, but then it was like, as I started to let those questions come, then I think more questions came. Mm. And then I started thinking, you know what? The Old Testament is crazy. Like all this <laughs> violence and like, it just, un- <clears throat> guys, it yes, just started this yes. avalanche. And, and I think for me in the past, I, I, it's not the first time that those questions came about, right? I would literally make my little spreadsheets and put all my questions <laughs> and then go find answers that were suitable mm-hmm. for my like comfort. Um, but this time I couldn't do it. Like something in me just, yeah, undone. It started the unravel. And I think, you know, and I think that, I mean, it's several years, like this was maybe people go through it faster. This was a very slow process for me. Um, You know, I I think for me, my reaction was like, let's try harder. So I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to pray more. Mm. I'm going to journal more. And, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't fixing it. It wasn't, there was something inside of me that felt like, nope, this isn't it. Um, and so I, there's this image that I kind of had in my mind that I kind of kept, this is what it felt like. I felt like these questions were boulders that started avalanching down. And then at the end, I'm just staring at this huge mountain of boulders and God's on the other side. And I just didn't like, I said, Lord, there is nothing I can do to, I can't climb over this. I can't Mm. tear those down. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait. And so that waiting process was again, a while of just, you know, trying to be honest with where I was at. But then on the outside, I kept on doing the things I normally do. And I don't know if this is your guys' experience too, right? Like, um, I still was a part of a church community. I was part of a life group. I was, um, I, I was a blogger, a mom, a mommy blogger at the time. And so I <laughs> blogged about parenting and faith. And so I was mm-hmm. still teaching my kids about the love of Jesus and, mm-hmm. um, and how to help other parents, you know, disciple their kids too. And so, um, but on the inside, you know, there's just this fear and this shame and this, uh, I don't know what to do with this. And I think back in, back when I first started dealing with it, I actually hadn't known a single person who had gone. Th- I never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the scene, there was some authors and some, some you know, some writers. Podcasting was just kind of beginning um, that I began to hear other people's stories. And um, those were those were really influential in my life. And, and, you know, as I look at some of those people now, maybe we've ended up in two different places, but I can't um, deny just what a gift that they were to me in my life as they helped to share their stories and where I was able to kind of help, you know, identify what some of the things are going on in my life. So, um, so fast forward, um, we moved here to Madison and, um, I uh, was kind of at a critical point where I felt like, okay, um, you know, post-seminary, I have this like master's degree, I have this calling in my life, but I was like, Lord, either I'm for like either I pursue this or I have to be real and step away, you know? And mm. I didn't know, I think that's the scary part is like, I didn't know how it was going to end up. Like, am I losing my faith? Maybe, oh. you know? Mm. Um, and so then, you know, Black Hawk was the place that we landed. It was funny because I felt like I don't want anybody to know me. Like I want to be invisible. I would, I want to, I'm going to fly on the wall. I just, um, 
Yeah, because I because I don't know where I'm at. And I don't I don't want people to know this part of my story. Wow. Um, and so then I reached out at this like critical moment and um, to a Blackhawk staff. I didn't know, and I said, yeah. "Listen, there's this thing called a spiritual director that I'm like Google that I've heard about. Is that like a thing like that you guys know about?" And she said, "Yeah, actually, I do." And so she recommended a spiritual director that actually the Blackhawker, and um, I went to her, started meeting with her once a month out in the. Brader way, prayer, chop, you know, prayer room. And um, she taught me a lot about, well, one, she was a great listener and she normalized exactly what we're kind of hoping to do here is yeah. normalizing this process. And and she helped to help me to identify that there was a way that God had created me um, that made me want things like certainty and to know God, because if I know God, like exactly who he is, then I'm able to perform. I'm able to do and to please him and to do the right thing. Um, um, and so I had somehow gotten that mixed up. And so um, so she kind of, you know, walked me through some of that and helped me to understand the goal of Christian life isn't to do for God, but be with God. And I don't know, something about that unhitched um, this kind of thing in my life. And I slowly started, I felt like to get to know God again and under different pretenses that I wasn't performing for him or he, his grace was so big and nothing, you know, nothing I could do would make him love me any more or less. And um, those are all very basic things, but it's something, you know, I, I'd been to seminary. I learned yeah. those things. I knew how, but, but there was something inside of me that, um, that really needed that. And so, um, for me, I see that as kind of a gift that God had brought into my life. This woman who cared so well for me and, um, and what, and journeyed with me and, um, helped me to, yeah, to understand kind of where, where some of the problems were, you know, the ways of looking at things. And I think it's, you know, I was like, I tell her, you're like, it's the biggest gift. Like it is the oh. best gift I've ever received is oh. that, that willingness for somebody to journey, um, with me. And, but it's like, right. It's, but, but it doesn't end. I mean, yeah. I say, you know, I've rebuilt, I've started the reconstruction process. It's, and, and, I, but I'm, I'm so much more comfortable with the questions. And I think that that's what, um, I've taken away from that process is that I'm no longer afraid to ask the questions. I'm not yeah. longer afraid to be like, is that true? You know, I, I want to be able to, yeah. God's big enough to handle that. And so, yeah. um, it's one of my passions. Um, I think because of what God has brought me through to, to help create a safe place for we're all, we are asking questions, no matter how mature we are, um, that there's always an, always something to learn and always something to um, look at differently and that we don't have to be afraid that it's, it's, it can be fun and it can be something that we do together as a community. So. Yeah. Thanks, Tiffany. So yeah. much that is relatable there. And um, I love that, like you go through this um, season. I mean, you're talking about how you just kept doing the things that you were doing, but at the same time, I think I heard you say that, like, I mean, there's something scary about that yeah. too. Like, what are people going to think of me? Yeah. Even when you came to, to Blackhawk, having had your master's degree, it's like, all right, I've invested so much in this and yeah. this could potentially even affect my livelihood. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's scary even mm -hmm. for people that are listening and you're going through this, like you're, your community yeah. maybe to some extent yeah. you feel like is at stake. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I resonate with that. I yeah. think a lot of people will too. So I, I so love and appreciate that now you're like, I want to be a safe place yeah. and create safe spaces for other people to yeah. to go through that. That's, that's the goal with all of this. Uh, Michael, what about you? Yeah, I just want to echo Chris real quick. Thanks, Tiffany, for sharing that. I mean, that, <laughs> getting teary just listening mm -hmm. to your story just because I relate to it in different ways, and mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that I talk to relate to that. And so 
thank you for sharing that. Um, that's powerful. And for me, I mean, there's on one hand, I've experienced deconstruction and a lot of kind of theological um, concepts of, okay, what are it, it, a lot of them in seminary, um, you know, uh, what, like, how do I reconcile um, suffering in the Bible? How can I reconcile, or how do we reconcile the Canaanite genocide? How can we reconcile, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, email uh, mmetzger at <laughs> church.org. Um, he'll he'll so answer all of it. Why am I getting all these emails? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know, and you know, if in the New Testament, there's in the Gospels, there's different inconsistencies, and if the Bible's supposed to be. Um, like true, how come we're seeing the, so I've had a lot of these different deconstruction areas that I've went through theologically, which have been really helpful and healthy. And there's a lot right now that I'm still deconstructing and I'm sure I will deconstruct till I die. But I think a really important thing, at least in my journey of deconstruction, while a lot of it could be, you know, theologically related, I think the deeper areas of deconstruction are more personally related. Um, hurts, yeah. suffering that we have. Um, and for me, uh, <laughs> something that people might not know uh, from my story. Um, so I, I have a really good relationship with my parents right now. Terrific. I, I love them. Um, they, I don't know if they've ever listened to a podcast, but if you're listening to this podcast, I love you, mom and dad. Um, but when I was growing up, um, my mother had, um, and I can share these these things, um, uh, you know, she was just struggling with a lot of different mental health issues and uh, a lot of her actions really throughout when I was born to my mid to late 20s um, were received as, you know, abusive in different ways, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, uh, verbally. And, um, and it was really, really difficult. And I remember the first time I set foot in a church that I can remember, I was in around the third grade and I heard this, I think probably a kid's ministry message on that God loves you. And I'm like, I'm loved. Mm. Like I'm loved unconditionally. What? I haven't experienced that because my, my childhood you know, experience my family experience. There's a lot of yelling, a lot of, you know, really hard situations. And so immediately it was an emotional, I want that parent who loves me. And so I just really kind of gave my life to Christ when I was in the third grade. And then the older I got, the more I would just like hear different things uh, through different pastors, sermons, people saying like, hey, God will give you what you want. God will answer your prayers. So in different areas, I'd be like, well, God, like one area, I, my family life is really hard. My relationship with my mother is really hard. I feel, you know, again, uh, the word abuse is a really powerful word. And so I, I, if you are experiencing anything like that or have, please reach out to someone. Um, reach out to our care ministry. We want to be there with you. But that was something that I experienced. And I remember I would just sit down and pray and say, God, take this away mm -hmm. from me. If you really love me, like redeem the situation, help my mother, give me, like bring me into a relationship where I can experience love. And that never happened. Mm. Years and years that never happened. And the older I got, um, this idea of God will answer your prayers the way that you're hoping for him to, if you're only faithful, was just 
not even deconstruction, deconstructed, but demolished in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember different job opportunities. I'm like, God, I really want this job. Mm-hmm. The job I'm in right mm-hmm. now is really, really hard for me. I've been faithful. I've been following you. Um, will you please answer this prayer? Nothing. For years in different ways, nothing. And I don't play chess, but I think stalemate is a phrase, like when, (laughs) you know, neither of you are moving (laughs) and I would just be feisty with God. I'm like, I'm not budging. And I feel like you're not budging. (laughs) And I would, I would be like, I would, in my prayers, be like, God, if you really love me, you need to prove yourself to me right now. And nothing would happen. And um, man, talk about the dark areas of deconstruction where the idea of God loves you for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. I would challenge that and said, if that's true, you need to, you need to prove that to me. And often it wasn't proven in the way that I wanted to. So it was really, really dark. And I, in different areas, I came to, um, the, um, just the, uh, the fork in the road of, do I want to live in this house or do I want mm. to find a different house? Mm. And I kind of felt like uh, the uh, like Peter and the different disciples when like the masses left and Jesus is like, why aren't you guys leaving? You know, after this hard mm. teaching, they're like, well, where else do I have yeah. to go? And I came to that reality of like, well, where else do I have to go? And so I started to just I joined a life group and uh, started to reconstruct in different areas of, okay, this is who I thought God was. Someone who would, if there's something wrong with me, I just would pray with him or something wrong in in my circumstances or situations. He will answer the prayer and make it better. I had to reconstruct, Mm. okay, well, maybe God's plans for me are far bigger than what I can see. Maybe there's a lesson that I'm being taught here. And and I had one pastor uh, tell me, because he knew all about these different journeys and struggles, saying, hey, Michael, God's going to use these, these uh, areas of suffering and struggle for, for his strength and for your mm-hmm. strength in ministry. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, there's this idea of I reconstructed with the help of community. God really ultimately loves you. And it's, he's not a God that, I mean, maybe in some circumstances he might fix things, maybe, mm-hmm. but that's not often the God that I've experienced, but he has mm-hmm. deeper plans that actually mm-hmm. um, will lead me and other people more to knowing who he is and experiencing his mm-hmm. love. And that's what happened in a lot of areas. Um, um, there's still stalemate areas in my life, but um, yeah, I think with all of those just kind of darker areas of deconstruction, I've learned that, you know, Jesus is is with mm-hmm. me and it's okay to go into what I would consider suffering because that's what Jesus did when he came down to this world. And, um, and because of these or circumstances and experiences. One, I am the best job I've ever had right now. You know, I talked about jobs. I love my job. And like, God, my, my parents are believers. And now, and my mom, I have the best relationship that I could have ever had with my mom. And that might not happen to, to listeners. And I get that, but that's just my story. But throughout all of this, I've learned that um, God's ways are higher mm-hmm. than mine. His plans are deeper than mine. And that um, he is someone that even when I'm suffering, he might not solve my suffering in the way that I would want him to, but he will never leave me. And so, um, yeah, I I grew closer to him Mm. in those dark areas of deconstruction because Mm. I knew that it was just me and him and that Mm. he wasn't going to leave me. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I feel like, I mean, I I think I know heard parts of that story, but not put together. And so I think that's so powerful. And Michael, just, 
what you're pulling and kind of highlighting from that of just the promise of his presence, that that's what he promises. And I think sometimes as we go through, that's a like a, a, a trigger for deconstruction is what did God really promise us? Yep. And sometimes we think that he promised us things that he like never did, you know? And so I think it's just so powerful that that is a foundational promise that you learned is that the promise of his presence and through hard things. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, wow, you guys, uh, both of your stories really uh, hard stories in some ways, but um, also just really holy too. Like God has been at work in such significant ways. Um, and I almost don't want to share anything because no, I feel like share, I relate, no, share, I relate share. so much to everything that you guys <laughs> said. But um, yeah, I think, my, I mean, my story is pretty similar to your guys in a lot of ways, but I, I go back to about 2012. My wife and I moved out to Denver to go to seminary. Um, and seminary was actually really great. It was th three years of... Um, studying and being with people who believed differently, but helped to sharpen me, all that kind of stuff. So I don't think I was deconstructing anything then. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is great. I, I loved it. Um, I didn't, I certainly didn't think that I had all the, all the answers. There was a lot that I, I knew that I didn't know. Um, but at the same time I was working in a couple different churches and in 2016, um, I think that's a big year where a lot of this kind of kind of started for a variety of, of different reasons. Um, there's obviously the ramp up that spring and then into the fall with everything happening around politics. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm seeing people in my own church and just around, um, around the country and the ways that Christians are engaging with politics and just talking about different people. Um, that was that was really hard. It felt like the veil was being pulled back from evangelical Christianity mm -hmm. a little bit of like, is this really what mm -hmm. we're about mm -hmm. and, and, and who we are? So there were things that were really difficult about, about that and related mm -hmm. to race too. I yeah. think um, it was a little bit earlier than, than that, that Ferguson happened and, and Michael Brown and God was like teaching me all kinds of stuff about race. And then um, to see again how we as a church were engaging with some of those things or not engaging was was, mm -hmm. was really hard. So I have that in the back of my mind. Um, and then I was, I was serving at a church, uh, kind of overseeing adult ministry stuff. And, and uh, we had just moved into this new building and the lead pastor and the main worship leader that had planted the church years ago, both at the same time, confessed to unrelated moral mm. failures. Mm. Um, and it wasn't like I had put them on a pedestal or anything um, or anything like that. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Like I, I looked up to these, these guys. Um, but it was more so like, really like, you know, they get on stage and they're preaching about these different things and about sexuality and all this different stuff. And then they were doing this behind the scenes mm -hmm. the whole time, just the mm -hmm. hypocrisy yeah. of that. And, and some of the, the hurt that came out of, out of that season. Yeah. Um, so long story shorter, um, long they, story medium. Yeah. <laughs> long story medium. So, uh, through a series of events, they would, would leave the church. And for a year in 2018, I was basically the, the interim teaching pastor leading this church of like a thousand people through this really <laughs> difficult season, wow. right? Of like their two beloved pastors had mm -hmm. stepped down. Um, and probably mm -hmm. six months into that, these same two go and plant a church mm. about five miles away. Mm. And we essentially have a church split on our hands. Mm. And so 
Um, there were certainly people that had it a lot more difficult than me and that were a lot more in the center of that. But just again, seeing the, the hypocrisy and experiencing some of the hurt from fellow brothers and sisters mm -hmm. in Christ that were, yeah. um, yeah, supposed to be on the same, same team together, uh, and on the same side. So mm -hmm. kind of like with you guys, there's all these things, yeah. like there are theological questions yeah. that were, were coming in as I was beginning yeah. to preach on a weekly basis. Man, when you start to get up there and you start teaching other people about your faith, it's yeah. like, holy cow, they're going to listen to me. Do I yeah. really believe yeah. these things yeah. that I'm yeah. saying? And so mm -hmm. it makes you reevaluate mm -hmm. that. And I started it's to good, wrestle cause... with a lot of these questions that you guys are talking about. Um, but in the midst of that, yeah, seeing the evangelical church around us and then experiencing some trauma and mm. hypocrisy and, and all this kind of stuff was um, mm. was just wow. hard. And so... Uh, I feel like I've experienced a lot of healing since then. It's great yeah. to be at a place like like Blackhawk. Man, you guys, if you didn't know this already, the leadership here um, <laughs> oh my is gosh. so great. Such a healthy church. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, so it's been so it's been really good. I think what um, maybe as we we kind of begin to wrap up here, some encouragement or like um, how to how to continue to 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 work through a season like this. Um, it was. It is still ongoing. It's been what, like five five years now. Um, but over the last couple of years, I think I've seen uh, a lot of health and a more vibrant faith come out of it. Um, I realize that I, you know, there, there's always going to be hurt and suffering in, in life. Um, I'm always going to have questions that I wrestle through. I think you mentioned like Old Testament. What do we do with that? Mm -hmm. And with mm -hmm. suffering, all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. That's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And kind of like what you said, Michael, like, who else am I going to turn to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yep. I'm just going to focus on mm -hmm. on Jesus. I yeah. read yeah. the Gospels all yeah. the time. I was learning new spiritual mm -hmm. practices like solitude and different ways of praying that would help me to, to experience yeah. Christ. Like that other stuff is always going to be yeah. there. But Jesus, I want mm -hmm. you. I want mm -hmm. to experience you. And mm -hmm. so um, it really came from a season of pressing into to him and 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 being okay with tension and gray areas and things like yeah. that. Um, but refocusing mm -hmm. on Christ and some ways of engaging with him mm -hmm. and experiencing him that, um, I don't think I'd done before. Um, but also some humility too. Like I'm, I will probably disagree with God at times. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. he's not always going to answer the prayers yeah. that I want him to in the timing that I want him to. Um, and that's natural if he's God and he's this almighty being, um, who am I to always be, you know, uh, agreeing with how he should be at work mm -hmm. in the world? He's going to have different ways of, of doing things. And so I think I learned uh, to, mm -hmm. to have more humility in this mm -hmm. process, too, mm -hmm. of, um, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to press into you. Um, might not always understand everything. I'm never going to know all of the answers, but I want to cling and, to you. And sorry, Chris, but I also want to say, because you, you hit on something really, really, really important that I want to just emphasize. Yeah. It's not only healthy, but we're invited to wrestle mm. with God. Yes, yeah. And in the darkest areas of my deconstruction, I, I still vividly remember my old apartment in California. I was sitting on my couch. There was a chair across the room. And I'm like, okay, God, sit down. And and I, this might sound weird for, for people to listen, but I, if I am God's child, I have the permission 
to disagree with my father. I mean, think I'm not a parent, but you know, I was a child and man, I would disagree with my parents. We're invited to disagree. We're invited to wrestle and I would let God kind of have it and, <laughs> and say like, why aren't you showing up in these areas? You need to show up God. And I just pictured him sitting in that chair, just smiling, being like, I mm-hmm. love you. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else? Mm-hmm. Keep them coming. I can handle that. Mm-hmm. You know, my chest is big enough for you to beat on. And I needed to beat on his mm-hmm. chest. Yeah. And I, when I think of just Israel, like Jacob was renamed Israel after he wrestled with God, uh, wrestled with an angel. You know, we mm-hmm. don't know if the angel God, but, you know, for all intents yeah. and purposes, he wrestled with God all night mm-hmm. to be blessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, who are you to be like, you're wrestling for mm-hmm. a blessing? What? But he did. And that was viewed as, as such, I, I think a, a good thing that God said from here on now, my people will be named after this action, the ones who wrestle with me. Mm-hmm. And may we not forget that when we, de- when we decom- mm-hmm. uh, deconstruct that we're invited to wrestle with God yeah. and his response is, I love you. Is there anything else? I'm with you. Yeah, so. yeah, so good. Yeah, I feel like wrestling is going to be natural because as I've really pressed into this season, I've come to more fully understand that the biblical authors aren't really interested in giving us an easy, <laughs> systematic way to think <laughs> yeah, about who right. God is. That just yeah. wasn't their intention. Mm-hmm. He's complex. We will have questions. We'll not understand some things. We will go through things. But at least for me, like at the end of the day, Man, I've also tasted and seen mm. that Jesus is good yeah. and that he's mm-hmm. trustworthy. And I just kind of needed to return mm. to, to that, return to the basics, mm. return to the yep. gospel, almost like a first, um, first coming to faith. And I can honestly say that I have a more intimate, better walk with Jesus, having gone through this than, than had that, that never happened. Um, yeah, what would you guys say? Any other encouragements that you'd give to people? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, and I've already said this, but just reiterating it is to to continue to ask questions, to learn. I think for those of us whose questions are scary, who I think sometimes when we ask questions, it's a really vulnerable thing because we might think, um, uh, if I ask this out loud, will people think less of me? If I Mm. ask, I know I should know the answer to this, or I know the answer to this, but I want to ask again. And so um, I think just continuing to learn how to ask good questions and be a community where we're safe people that people can ask questions to. uh, I think questions are kind of what propel us forward right there. They're what keep our faith from getting stale. It's, it's an interactive relationship with God. Um, and so I, you know, I think about the people that in my life that I respect most who have this like change the world kind of mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, like experience with Jesus. And they're the people that just ask really good questions yeah. over and over and so over. Good. And um, so just encourage our, our community to continue to do that. Yeah, the community piece. Like, I think by the time this is released, Matt will have just talked about um, how Jesus meets the two people on the road to Emmaus. They like, they walk away from Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. right? They leave the community. They leave the women who are saying that Jesus is resurrected. Don't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. stay in community. Stay serving. Stay in your group. Um, Like, if you need to, you you know what you need to do to heal or if you've experienced... Um, other things. I totally get that. So give you permission Mm -hmm. to do that. But Mm -hmm. if you just feel like, man, they're going to think less of me or I I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be serving on this team or doing this. Um, As I'm deconstructing, as I'm having these doubts, 
no, like yeah. stay in it. Mm-hmm. We want this to be a safe place where you can continue in those things. You need the people um, around you to to help support you in this, to walk through you through it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not know it, but people around you have gone through similar things. I mean, we've just told our stories um, as as we uh, have gone throughout this, this last hour or so. But stay in community. Yeah. Stay with people who can believe for you, who yeah. can help support you in this season. Yeah, and I I think and 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 know that some people in your life might not be able to hold that space for you, mm, and that's, good. Um, that's yeah. okay. You can you can be in relationship with them in different ways. Um, I remember when I was trying to figure out who to talk to. I'd like put out these little like these little like baits, you know, of like how they're gonna respond. (laughs) And um, thankfully, I came across a couple. But there's a lot of people. I think most people in my life, they were it was it was scary to them, and and they didn't want to go there, and that's okay. And so I do just want to encourage people to to be wise in who they're sharing this with. Um, And if you can't find the community you think you need. Um, one, you could actually maybe share this podcast episode with them and say, Hey, listen, like I, I, you know, I, I, this is, I really resonate with this and, you know, uh, can I share this experience with you? Um, or talk to one of us and maybe we can help find some people that you can get to know yeah. that would be, um, people that could be a safer place. And, and if you've, you're listening to this and you haven't been through this process or like, what could it look like for you to become a person that, um, is a yeah. safe person for people to, to share their stories with? Yeah, and, and also I'll just kind of piggyback off of that. I, in different seasons of deconstruction, I've reached out to people and I've kind of experienced the Job uh, experience where <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll talk to people and they're actually not healthy in this mm-hmm. certain context yeah. or given advice that isn't really helpful at the time or they're trying to fix when I just need someone who wants to listen. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, just to say you have the permission to say like, hey, I really appreciate you, but um, this isn't really helpful for mm-hmm. me. And that's okay. Yeah, That's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, that's so helpful, you guys. Yeah, Michael, any, Tiffany, any just kind of closing um, encouragements or remarks from you guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something that was helpful for me um, and is still helpful for me when I um, go through the processes of deconstruction and actually something that I talk with different students or young adults or people as they are. Um, often when I or when someone is in deconstruction, there's this sense of just like spinning and chaos, not all mm-hmm. the time, but mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's common. And it's like, okay, where is the ground? It, it can be really kind of dark and scary. And I'll I'll through my this process with myself and other people just suggest, okay, know what your foundation is first. Like yeah. start with the foundation. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, Chris. Okay, who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. Start with Jesus. Who is he to you? Who is the truth about him? Do you believe that? Why? Why not? And it's kind of like we say at Blackhawk, major in the majors. Um, you know, what is God? What is the Bible? And um, secure that foundation and wrestle with that foundation. So start with the foundation. And then after that, just identify, okay, is what I'm wrestling with more of a minor thing? We, I've, we've been talking about, um, I've been talking about houses. Is this a window? <laughs> you know, are we removing a window and replacing it somewhere else? Is this a wall conversation? Is you know, um, just to, but to start with the foundation, start with Start with that and work from there because a lot of times people can be wrestling with a minor and they think it's a major. Mm -hmm. People can be wrestling with 
a, a bathroom yeah. tiling thing when they think it's actually the structural foundation to their house. It's okay to wrestle in general, um, but especially if it's something that isn't foundational, hey, go ahead and deconstruct, wrestle with that and know that you're secure, know that you have a good foundation. Um, and then with that, you know, something, there's this quote that I want to read uh, that's been really helpful to me. And since I've been uh, using deconstruction as a kind of a house metaphor to help, um, it's by C.S. Lewis. And, and I want to read this quote. It's been helpful for me. And this, um, this quote kind of puts God in more of the driver's seat to deconstruction and us in the passenger seat, which mm. is something that often when we're in deconstruction, we don't think of God as driving. We think of us as driving, but um, I just want to read this with God in the driving seat. C.S. Lewis says this, imagine yourself as living as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting at the drains, right? He's, he's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You know that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. Throwing out a new wiring here, uh, th sorry, throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor here, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. Mm. He intends to come and live in it himself. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Tiffany, any final Final thoughts? No, I think, I mean, man, I just, I'm reflecting, I'm sitting here and thinking, wow, like this is really, if I would have had this conversation 10 years ago, I just, wow, what a, just a gift. Um, and so thank you for, to both of you for um, just sharing what you've shared. And um, I know there's so many complexities and, you know, as I'm thinking about the people who are listening, um, I'm sure there's been parts where they wanted to jump in and share their story. And um, yeah, I just, I'm really grateful to be in a community um, where we can get better at this together um, and we can continue to grow and learn from each other's stages of faith. And I, I love what you said, Michael, that God's in the driver's seat. Mm. Um, and so um, we can let him do what he needs to do in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Here at Blackhawk, we've been having conversations about how do we, how do we help people go through this kind of process? Those conversations have been, have, have been happening for more than a year now. Um, so hopefully, yeah, someday there are some spaces or communities uh, where this is always true, Blackhawk, where your doubts are welcome. You can always talk about this. We hope that that's true, but that are, hopefully we have some spaces where that's especially mm -hmm. true. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, if you're listening to this and you resonated with something, maybe you've never even told anyone that you've gone through this, um, reach out to any of the, th the three of us. For sure. uh, you can email us at podcast at blockhockchurch.org and we would love to interact with you. Um, I think so much of, like Tiffany, what you were saying, so much of how we can work through these seasons is through a spiritual director or a mentor and just having these one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, and so we would love to, to help you with that. Um, so maybe as we wrap up, um, I'm not going to summarize the, the whole <laughs> conversation, but basically you guys, if you're going through this, you are not crazy. This mm -hmm. is a normal thing. And we actually need people who will deconstruct and reconstruct their faith in a healthy way mm -hmm. saying, nah, that's not quite right. That's not the way of mm -hmm. Jesus. Um, I think of Martin Luther and the Reformation. 
deconstruction and reconstruction in the church is different because of it. Um, or Christian abolitionists who saw that slavery was an evil being propped up mm. by white Christians and they said, no, I'm going to deconstruct mm. that and reconstruct mm. something different. Um, there's tons of examples throughout history. Even the Apostle Paul, um, maybe one of the most influential Christians of all time outside of Jesus. I don't know if Jesus was a Christian, if that's possible. But <laughs> so Paul on the road to Damascus has this like encounter with Jesus mm. and everything like gets torn down and stripped away. There's like 14 years mm. of his life that we just don't really know about mm. because I think he's processing through a lot wow. of these things mm. and deconstructing and and reconstructing. And, and then I was, I was thinking about Philippians 3 this morning. Let me just read this and we'll kind of wrap up. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss. That's so much of what deconstruction is about. It feels like we're suffering the loss of all things and we count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And to that we say, amen. Amen. Um, yeah, that's all for uh, this week. Thanks for, uh, for hanging in there uh, and listening to um, this conversation. We'll be back in another couple weeks as we begin our series in Ezra and Nehemiah. So until then, grace and peace and have a great week.